It's good to be together with you. We're, we're here to celebrate Jesus Christ and who he is, what he's done. And we, we start that with singing. But even before that, we want to uh, plaster our hearts to celebrate who God is through his invitation to us to worship. So this, is a, this will be our call to worship coming out of Psalm 111 today. So here is Emily shares the word. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Amen.
so good. Okay. We good? We good? We're about to enter into our time of responsive reading, which is just a, a way for us to come together and pray aloud, really, and narrow our focus on what the sermon's going to be on. Uh, so gratefully enough, these songs have been just the, the very same. So now just join with me. I'm going to read where it says reader, and you can come in where it says all. Let us join our voices to praise the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us from sin and death. We whom he has redeemed will sing praises and shout for joy this hour. Because in Christ the Lamb we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins in accordance with the riches of his grace. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Let us praise him by saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive the power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. To him who sits on the throne, the Lamb we worship now and forever. Amen.
unto you and it's through him we have redemption through his blood the sacrifice for our sins and the forgiveness of our sins so while the world looks at the cross as foolish while the world looks at the cross as a stumbling block we look at it as power and we look at it as our greatest treasure oh how precious is the blood flow of Jesus Christ at the cross for us because it is in the life that was given for us that we are given eternal life in him. So we praise you, Lamb of God slain for the world. And we offer our praises to you. We offer our worship to you. You have our attention right now. As one team, as one family, we, we lift up the greatness of God. Oh 
kind with the cross he proved he's on our side we are the sons we are the daughters of god no matter where we go we're close to the father's heart the Lord and he will never forsake his own we are the sons we are the daughters of God Oh 
sons and we are your daughters not because of anything that we have done but because Lord Jesus what you have done father you have come after us you have arrested our heart and you have brought us into your family we have a hope we have a future because you are our father we do not put our hope and our trust in anything else we put our hope and trust only in you you are our savior you are our redeemer you are our father we love you these truths that we are singing come straight from Scripture. Lord, thank you. Thank you for these truths. I thank you that there's nothing but your blood that can set us free. Oh, precious is the flow that makes us white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. We're set free. We're set free to worship you. We're set free to live in peace with you. We're set free to live on mission with and for you. We love you, God. Touch our ears. May we be sensitive to your touch. Convict us of our sin. Transform us, God. May we leave changed. But most importantly, God, may you be glorified in all things. We are not here for what we can gain from it. We are not here for how to change our life. We're here to glorify you. Transform us, Lord, in that process. All these things we lift up in your holy and awesome name, our Father. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. If you are three or four years old, you may be dismissed. Good job. They were really waiting for me to say that. Like, they are ready to go. If you have um, a Bible, please open it up with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Uh, I love worshiping alongside of you. This is an encouraging thing. Being together in worship is an encouraging thing because we're singing to God. And while we are singing praises to our King, we are encouraging and exhorting one another. Scripture says that the purpose of church is, to, is for the glorification of God, for the edification of the body and the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. What we are doing here right now isn't our sole ministry at Redeemer. What we are doing is equipping one another and challenging one another and encouraging one another for the work of the ministry so that we go out and we can sing praises to him in the parking lot. How weird is that when we're singing praises in Publix? Like the restaurant, the, 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 the grocery store. We can do that. 
We bring glory and praise to God and we challenge one another and encourage one another while we're here. And it's all for God's glory. This is such an awesome thing. I love being a part of it. Um, if you have your notes, there's a, a, some notes that you can follow along. It'll be very helpful for us as we're digging in. But uh, would you guys stand with me as we read aloud the passage today? Uh, two weeks ago, we read verses 1 through 14. Last week, we read verses 1 through 14. We're only highlighting a little bit. This week, we're going to read verses 1 through 14. All right. <clears throat> Paul an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved and here's a passage we're going to be focusing on today. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, we opened up this Pauline epistle of the book of Ephesians, and we discussed the purpose of this chapter. Now, now that, that section that we just read there was probably four or five periods um, as we discussed the last two weeks. This was actually one long run-on sentence in Greek. The longest sentence in Greek history, uh, apparently, in Greek literature. And this is a, just a long, Paul was just going and going and going. And the whole purpose of that section, and the whole book rather, is to reveal the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. The rich spiritual blessings. Ch uh, verse 3 said that you, if you are in Christ, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, then you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, you might be here today and you might be thinking, David, I don't feel that blessed. I mean, I know what it says, but I look around at everybody else, they all seem blessed. I don't, I don't necessarily feel that way. But I, I have great news for you. If you don't feel blessed, it's not really about what you feel. It's about what has happened, 
what has transpired. So if you are not experiencing these spiritual blessings, it's because you are not in him yet. And so this is exciting news. We have the opportunity to invite you and, and preach the gospel to you, and the Lord will arrest your heart, and uh, not because of our works, but because of what he is doing. He's, he will adopt you into his family. We want you to fall in love with the Lord. That's great news. Amen? All right. I'm doing this. Right? That's good news. But a second, if you are in him, but you still just don't have those feelings that we are being overwhelmingly blessed, perhaps it's because we have a distorted view of what spiritual blessings are. And you need reminding from Scripture. And Paul reminds us in Scripture what these spiritual blessings are. It's pretty common to have a false perspective of spiritual blessings. It's not a new car. It's not a job, a promotion. It's not a better parking space or good health or a, a spouse or even children. Now, those are all blessings. Those are all gifts. They're blessings. They're good things. But that's not what he's referring to. Uh, James 1.17 says, uh, all, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, right? So those are good things. But he's referring to spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. What is Paul referring to? Spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, Paul explains them in this chapter. In fact, he gives three primary, very seminal blessings, spiritual blessings, back to back to back. In verse 3 through 6, uh, we heard um, last week of one from the Father, which is adoption. Adoption. That's a spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are adopted, chosen and adopted from God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. You who have had no spiritual heritage... And no spiritual future were brought into the household of God by God's grace and choosing and adopted as sons and daughters. What a rich blessing that we have. It's a beautiful truth. This week, we're dealing with a, a second blessing that Paul points out, and that's going to be verse 7 through 10, primarily in verse 7. So if you look at verse 7 right now, at the beginning, we'll, we'll see the main thrust in him we have redemption. Redemption. Let's not overlook that term. Redemption is a blessing, a spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We were adopted and by, by the Father. We have redemption through the Son. Next week, uh, Dylan, one of our elder, uh, in, elders in training, is going to preach on the Holy Spirit, a blessing from the Holy Spirit. But this week... We're talking about redemption. Now, the word redemption, just the whole theme, the whole concept, it's a really soft spot in my heart. For some time, I've thought often about the, what it means to be redeemed and participate in redeeming others through God's mission and commission. I remember um, that the whole, in, in fact, this term, redemption, redeeming, is, is the name of this church. That's what it was founded on. I remember texting with Josh and Mandy and uh, my wife Haley about three and a half years ago when we were in the planning stages of Redeemer. And uh, I remember we were back and forth talking about different things. Of what, what about this? What about that? I remember I was near, the, near Taco Bell in Miramar Beach. <laughs> I think it was in the parking lot of Taco Bell in Miramar Beach. And I remember texting and I remember saying uh, this. I, I, I looked uh, from, I said, what about something like Redeeming Community or Redeeming Fellowship or Church of the Redeemed? Something like that. And then Mandy Mandy Poole texted and said, how about Redeemer? And I was like, oh, that's so much better. Because all mine were about being a people who are redeemed. It's about, it's about us. She immediately said something, it's about him. It's about the Redeemer. 
It's, and we are a people who are redeemed, for sure, but it's about our Redeemer. I love this concept. Can you guess? This is so good. Oh, I love it. But redemption is not just a central concept to this church, but it's a central, a central concept. It's the very core of the Christian life. We should be infatuated with this blessing of redemption. What I want to unpack today is what Paul is saying here. What is redemption according to Scripture? And why is it part of the riches that we have in Christ? What does redemption look like? Where is redemption from? Sounds like some far off term that's just very spiritual and religious. And how does redemption affect my life today? So we're going to talk about those four main things. Number one, redemption defined. That's going to be in your notes. Redemption defined. Redemption, Merriam-Webster Dictionary has multiple, like one, first choice, second choice, third choice, definitions of, of things, right? Um, and, and we use the word redeem in our culture for many things, mostly like redeeming a coupon, right? Or redeeming a, uh, a gift card, right? Okay, I'm the only one that shops with coupons and gift cards. Judging me right now, I love it. No. Redeeming like that, but, but, but actually the number one, what we're referring to, a biblical redemption is to rescue or reclaim something that was already yours through payment. So, so something that was already yours and, and rescuing and reclaiming by way of payment. So there's a story of a young boy in a coastal village similar to here, and he loved going to the beach with his dad. And he loved to, to look at the, the boats. It just became infatuated with sailboats. I love sailboats. This boy really loves sailboats. And so his dad bought him a really nice, one of those nice model, uh, model sailboats that you, you set up. But it's one that can float. So he, he built it. It took him a long time to design and build this, this little sailboat. And, and he loved to take it down to the water, like little inlets like we have here at Grayton. And, and float his little sailboat out on the water and imagine that he was out on the water. And so one day, there was a great gust of wind that took the sailboat out to sea. He tried to go after it, but his dad wouldn't let him. He didn't want his son to drown. Oh, he was inconsolable. He went home. He was crying. He was, he was screaming. He was like, oh, it's my favorite thing in the world. I'm never going to be able to do this again. For months, he went down to the coast looking for that boat. And one day he found it when he was walking in town looking in a window of a store. So he ran in and he told the owner, he said, I am the, the owner. I built this ship. And he says, son, that's not your ship. I paid good money to a fisherman who found that ship. If you want it, you're going to have to pay, pay me. Well, the boy went and got every ounce of pennies and, and coins that he could find and ended up getting enough money and went and he purchased his boat back. And, and as he walked away, he said to his boat, he said, you are twice mine. I created you and I bought you. That's redemption from a biblical sense. If, uh, and I need, to, I need to tell you that that's not, what we continually think about with redemption. There's no other redeemer out there that can say they created you and bought you except Jesus Christ. It's not validating a coupon like we said or redeeming a card. 
Scripturally, when God redeems something, it means he is buying you back. You were created to be image bearers of God Almighty. The creator of the universe designed you to bear his image. And yet, due to the sin of Adam and Eve and our sinful nature, where we desire sin, we seek our own desires and our our crooked, distorted, and ugly desires draw us away from God. That's in us. That's in our nature. You don't believe me? You don't believe me that there's a sin nature? I never once had to teach Asher or Hattie how to lie or to hit or any of that. It's in them. It's hard to look at my four-year-old and say they are a son of wrath. They, they, they're, 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 they have a sinful nature. But Paul says that in Christ we have redemption. We have been bought back. God looks at those who are in Christ and he says, to those of you sitting here in Christ, God looks at you and says, you are twice mine. For I created you and I bought you. Number two, redemption's features. What does redemption look like? Like for real, tangibly. What does Paul say? Well, let's take a look at what Paul says here over redemption's features. Back to verse seven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The first piece of redemption that we see, the first um, feature of redemption, looks like forgiveness. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness. To some, it's an audacious claim that we need to ask for forgiveness anyway. But the truth of the matter is that all have, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need forgiveness. And what's crazy is that he offers forgiveness. And it's not just a New Testament idea. Isaiah 44 verse 22 says, I have blotted out your transgressions like a cloud and your sins like a mist. Return to me. I have redeemed you. Forgiveness. That, that's a feature of redemption. Brothers and sisters, in order to be redeemed, you need to be forgiven from your sins. And Jesus is the only one in all of human history who has ever demonstrated the ability to forgive sins. Check out Mark 2. Check out Matthew chapter 9. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost beings. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, and he satisfies your desires with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. He forgives. And notice what he says, uh, to what extent. Uh, forgiveness of our sins, of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. Another feature is the grace that God offers That is what redemption looks like. It looks like forgiveness. It looks like grace. Mercy is not not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Another feature that grace is, is that grace, but there's something that we must remember. God doesn't give grace to individuals. Oh, this is so important. He doesn't give individuals grace in accordance with what they have done. He doesn't, bad or good, He doesn't give one person more salvific grace than anyone else. Well, I haven't sinned as much as so-and-so, so so I only have this amount of grace. 
He doesn't give in accordance to you. It says he gives in accordance to what? According to the riches of his grace. He has showered. If you were in Christ, he has showered so much grace upon you that you wouldn't even know what to do with it. You are flooded. There's not any more possible grace that you could earn or gain. Doing more sin isn't going to get you more grace. He has lavished grace upon everyone. He's rich. He's rich and he wants to give you grace. Amen? Wow. With each person in Christ, they receive an abundance. It is according to his riches, not according to our deeds. So we know that what redemption does... We know what it is. It's redeeming and buying back something. We, we see what it looks like, forgiveness and grace. But let's get down to brass tacks here. How does one get redeemed? Where is its source? Who's it from? Well, that's number three, redemption's source. There are two parts of redemption's source, and it's explained here in, in verse 7 and 8 that, that play into the concept of redemption. Uh, who does the redeeming? This is an interactive part of the sermon. Who does the redeeming? Christ. Christ does the redeeming. Who does, in Christ we have redemption. In him we have redemption. He is the one who pays the price for redemption. He's the one that got all that money and went and bought back the boat. He's the one. He, he's the source. And that's very important to notice, especially in an age where truth is relative. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. And the truth is that's hogwash. There is truth. And there's only one person who can pay. If you put your hope and trust in something else to redeem you, it won't happen. He's the source. It's only in Christ. Acts 4.12 says, there is salvation in no one else. Billy's on it. Good job. There's salvation in no one else. That wasn't in scripture. I was saying Billy. Okay. There's salvation in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given by which men can be saved. Scripture itself, the very word of God, testifies that absolutely no other way to be redeemed except in him. It's in him that you find redemption. Not in Buddhism, not in Islam, not Joseph Smith. Not spirituality, not legalism, not religiosity, not in liberty, not in capitalism, not in philanthropy. Not through Pastor David or Pastor Josh. Not through Redeemer 38 Church. There is no way to find redemption in any of those things. Unless any of those things actually created you and bought you back. Christ is the only one that can do that. There's only one creator. We at Redeemer, we, we haven't created you. We just try to set the table between uh, a meeting between you and the Lord. But you can't be redeemed through Redeemer 38 Church. We bring you, we want you to come to meet the Redeemer. Oh, isn't that cool? Oh, it's so exciting. Peter, 2 Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Redemption's source begins with God himself and Jesus Christ, our Messiah. 
But what's the second part of redemption's source? There's two parts. In him, we have redemption through his blood. Not Michael. Through his blood. Now, we gotta, we got to hold the phone for a second. If you have never heard of Jesus and never heard of anything Christian-y ever, if you are living out by yourself and you just wandered in here and you read these words and you hear that you have redemption through his blood, ugh, it's kind of a gross concept, right? How many of you are afraid of shots in your arm? Yeah, what the, do, giving blood, okay, yeah? That's kind of a, a weird term, just being honest. I've met people, I've been in India, I've met people who are like, are you cannibals? You eat flesh and drink blood? This is truth. It's just kind of like a weird saying, through his blood. And we just say it because it's become Christianized, right? We just, we just say, oh, it's, we have redemption through his blood. Sounds a little cuckoo um, for, for Cocoa Puffs. But let's dig into it a little bit. The primary theme of forgiveness and redemption is summed up in the word atonement. Atonement means to cover over. Atonement means to cover over. Uh, two, uh, a week and a half ago was the Day of Atonement. It's called Yom Kippur. It's a festival, and, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. In Scripture, atonement is connected to death. Uh, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. If you have sinned, your consequence is death, Sim- symbolized by blood. The wages of sin is death. Death is required for the atonement of sins, period. Wait, so David, does that mean that if I sin only once in my whole life, that my consequence is, is death? Yes, I am saying that. I'm saying that everybody's guilty. Everybody's culpable. What about the person in Africa who has never heard or this or that? We're all culpable. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we go and share the good news with everyone. That's why we go. The wages of sin is death. But in Genesis 3, God even demonstrates grace on the day that Adam and Eve sinned. They were, they, they were naked and they realized their nakedness and they were ashamed. And what does he do? He clothes them with the skin of an animal. You have to kill an animal to skin it. First time ever that blood was to cover over, to wrap over their shame. Blood is for atonement is a stream throughout all of Scripture. Furthermore, in Exodus, during the, during the last plague, what did they have to put on the doorposts? Blood. Put on blood so that, so that the, the Spirit would pass over. Blood was so important. And that moves us to Leviticus chapter 16. You don't have to turn there, but it's the, whole, the whole chapter is, is phenomenal. Leviticus 16 describes Israel's ritual of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Uh, once a year in mid-September, which is the end of the calendar year for them, there was a celebration called Yom Kippur, the most important festival to the life of a Torah-observant Jew. And it's such a fascinating ritual. Go and study it. It's amazing. Um, it's too long for me to just go and read right now. But it begins with 10 days of awe. So what would happen is the whole nation, they would start 10 days with, with fasting and prayer um, to, to meditate on Scripture and um, think upon, contemplate the recesses of their heart, the sins that, that may be there. Ten days of awe. Then the priest who represents the people 
he would uh, wash himself in, in, a, in, a, in a bathtub called a mikvah. And then he would put on these special clothes specifically for this, this time. And then he would uh, to go in on behalf of the people to the Holy of Holies. But th- they would also bring two goats. One is a sin offering and one is called an Azazel. It says that in, in, the, in, in Leviticus uh, 16. An Azazel means scapegoat. So he'd bring two, two goats. And, uh, and the first goat would be killed and his blood would be sprinkled um, on the mercy seat and also sprinkled on the altar, symbolizing that blood cover, cover overing, atoning for the sins of the people. It's a sim- symbol. Uh, and then uh, and it sprinkled that blood all over and um, so to symbolize that something died so that they may live and have peace with God. And remember, this, this ritual was instituted by God. It's a foreshadow of what, what will come. The second goat, the Azazel, the scapegoat, would be brought forth and Aaron or the high priest would do something really, really interesting with it. Okay, so what he would do is that the goat would come up and uh, he would pull out something like uh, a, a cord. This is in, from Jewish writings. And uh, he would wrap a red scarlet cord around the head of, of the goat, like this. Okay. And, uh, and then he would, it, says, it says in Leviticus that he lays hands on, on him and, and casts all the trespasses of the people upon this scapegoat. It's a lot of sin on one little animal. And then one guy appointed for the task, it says, would take that, that scapegoat and, and take it away. Just go, just go away. And uh, uh, some, some places, if you study it, it says that they, some people just kick it off a cliff. so Because you don't want the sins of your people all wandering back into your backyard. <laughs> so they, they just like, go away. Uh, but the blood, the blood is a symbol and a scapegoat was a symbol. And think about that. Now in Leviticus, it doesn't talk about that red cord, but it talks about scarlet cord all over. Think even about Rahab's rope. The symbolism here is breathtaking. This is all over the Talmud, which is, which is Jewish writings, about this, this whole pr- procedure that they would do every single year. They would take a scarlet cord, wrap it around the head of this, this goat, and, and, and cast the sin upon it. Now, it, the symbolism is crazy. Like, even just the blood ring around Jesus' head. Um, we, we have to understand that Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is our scapegoat. He's the one that took all of our sin and... We don't have to do it every single year. Once and for all, Jesus came and he died. Once and for all, he has taken our sins, and, and it says in Psalm 103 that he casts them into the deepest part of the sea. What? Once and for all. He's our scapegoat. He's our Azazel. Isn't that amazing? Redemption. And through his blood, he has bought us back. Let's not take this, this term, the blood of Jesus, so cavalier. Through his blood, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So um, I would like it, if you would, uh, with our remaining time, let's open up to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9. Titus, Ephelibin, Hebrews, James. So it's a little bit further back. Hebrews chapter 9. Now, I need to tell you something that's pretty cool. If, uh, if you guys are cool with it. Um, this, studying uh, Jewish literature and, and the Talmud and things like that, there's, uh, there's it's, this isn't, in, it's not in scripture where it talks about this cord, um, what happens to the cord. 
but uh, there's, it's all over Jewish writings where it says that um, the, the scarlet cord it was miraculously, during that whole process, uh, they wrote that it turns white every year. That after they, they, they cast it on, they, they send, send the goat out, they keep the scarlet cord, they lay it on the corner of the altar, and then it turns, turns white miraculously. Uh, take it or leave it, whatever, that's not, I'm not saying that that comes from Scripture, but what does come from Scripture um, is a lot of that language, like where you were once as scarlet, you will be made white as snow. There's lots of language, New Testament and Old Testament, that talks about going from red to white, from, from blood stained to pure. Uh, I think it's just it's so fascinating. I get really excited. This isn't even a ribbon. This is like a little, yeah, okay, anyway. But uh, number nine, uh, Hebrews chapter nine. Now, I, I would love to just preach on this too, because this is so cool. But I'm just going to read and think about what, what we're reading, okay? We're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to go through 22. But when Christ appeared as the high priest, so he's a high priest too. Oh my goodness, he's everything. He's a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with, with hands, that is, not of creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. <gasps> what? Once and for all, we don't have to go every year, bring an animal, sin, bring an animal, sin, bring an animal. We have Jesus who has done that. Verse 13, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for, for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from, the dead, from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inherit the promise eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant for where a will is involved the death of the one who made it must be established for a will takes effect only at death since it is not in force as long as one who is who made it alive therefore not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. Blood was needed. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, this is the blood of the covenant that God commanded for you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, brothers and sisters, highlight this. This verse, indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus is the sacrificial lamb. Jesus is the scapegoat. And without the shedding of Jesus' blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. With Jesus' blood, we don't have to bring an animal every year. His blood covers all who are in him once and for all. And that leads us just to the last point. And that is redemption applied. 
some of us have come here without a spiritual family. I want to call you to a beautiful blessing that you can have in Christ, and that is adoption into his family. You have a hope and a future within the family of God, and that that hope and a future is way better than here and now. It's an eternal hope, an eternal blessing. Some of you are bogged down by the sins that you just cannot seem to shake. This passage urges us to rejoice. Rejoice that his blood atones. It covers over our sins and it opened up the path towards forgiveness. Without Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection, we would have no forgiveness and no redemption. And my favorite passage in all of the New Testament, Colossians 1.3, he has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and he has transferred us in the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. May we be a people that remember this redemption. May we be a people that read these passages and not skip past things that are so familiar. The blood of Jesus and redemption. May we be a people who rejoices in the adoption from the Father and rejoice in the redemption that you can have. So the big idea uh, that I just want to remind you of is those who are in Christ, they remember and rejoice in the rich blessings of redemption an outpouring of God's grace. Those in Christ, they remember and they rejoice in the rich blessings of God's redemption, an outpouring of God's grace. So we, we rejoice together in this. As a church, we, we're named Redeemer. We're all about the Redeemer. And every week, we have the opportunity to come forward and uh, partake in the blood and the body of Christ and remembering and rejoicing in what he's done that we couldn't do. And he, he, he has died the death that we should die in order that we may live forever with him in eternity. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for coming. And may we not be a people that overlook this beautiful, uh, theological, rich, and practical truth of redemption. This change changes so many, so many people's lives in, in this room. Your redemption has opened up our eyes to your grace, to your forgiveness. I pray that right now, if there are people that are not in you, Lord, may you tug on them. May they become restless. May they find no satisfaction in anything other than you. That thing that people are chasing after, Lord, I pray you give them an emptiness in their stomach and that it increases more and more until they find that only truth, the real truth, which is in you, Lord Jesus. I pray today as we come to the table that we encourage one another, that we remember your redemption and that we rejoice in your redemption. We're set free. We're not set free so that we can sin more and more and more. We're set free, Lord for freedom that we have been set free, and that freedom is to rejoice and glorify you and praise you. You have set us free from the passions of our, of our flesh, and fleshly desires, and I pray that you continually loosen those, those, those bonds.
We love you, God. We praise you. All these things we lift up in your name. Amen. So, uh, oh, I love that, that whole topic. That's great. Um, I'm going to preach on it again next week. Same sermon. I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, I'm excited about um, a Dylan preaching on a blessing from the Holy Spirit next week. Today, as we always do, we, we have the opportunity to come to the table and even more uh, potently remembering uh, the, the body and the blood of Christ and the sacrifice. He, he is our sacrificial lamb. He is our scapegoat. So how we go about doing communion here, if you have not been here before, is we do it by, uh, it's called intinction. It's where we come forward and we, we take a piece of the bread and we dip it into, into the cup. You don't have to soak it or anything like that. Just dip it into the cup. And then we, you go from the outside, come forward, grab and dip, and come back down the center aisle to your seat. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of how we orderly go about doing this. Uh, please, when you get back to your seat, remain standing and holding the elements. I'll come back up after our song that we worship with, and, uh, and we'll partake in the elements together.
trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are the Lord who does not change. You ever love to show mercy. Grant us, therefore, Lord, so that so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body and our souls washed through the most precious blood and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night which he was betrayed he took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take. Join us in one more song as we sing uh, about our resurrected king. Thank you. 
song. Uh, there's a few announcements that I wanted to say as we are heading out. I wanted to say thank you. Uh, last week we had two members, uh, Elizabeth and Faye, come forward and tell you about a need. They're designing a children's ministry uh, program and uh, I am blown away by the response. They were seeking around 60 people for the course of the whole year to help volunteer and they got 57 in this week. That's <laughs> Hello, that's amazing. Uh, I have faith in Jesus. I did not necessarily have faith that that was going to work that great. It was, it was awesome. Thank you for your response, though. If you are new to Redeemer, you're interested in getting to know a little bit more about Redeemer, twice a year we do uh, a, a three, three different nights, uh, a course, a new member course. And You don't have to become a member if you go through it, but you can come learn a little bit more about Redeemer, our history, our values, our vision, our mission, and uh, also our theology. Uh, and also, uh, if you are a member, a covenant member, want to let you know the 
the, in the notes, you, you can see that we have a, a business meeting coming on the 21st, Sunday the 21st at 5 p.m. here at the Boys and Girls Club that we do three times a year about business meetings. So if you're a member, please stay after church. Or not stay after church. <laughs> you can stay after church, but you'd be there for five hours. Okay. Um, and uh, also, if you are interested in uh, uh, dedicating a baby, please come and talk to us or email office at redeemer38.com. I want to send you out with uh, this passage in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Now, may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by his blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen and amen. Have a great week. We love you guys. I literally just quit singing. No, no, it's okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was like, well, we my... kept on dancing around each other too on accident. I, it's just like, uh, yeah, that was my bad. No, I was going too low. No, no, I was no. also feeling across the board. Beautiful. This was such a good set. Yeah, it was. It really, and the song choice is really good. With the, with the sermon. Yeah. Yeah. We split the beat. I, I, t- I kept three of yours and brought three of mine. Yeah. It was really